Okay, it is a great honor and privilege that I introduce our speaker today, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Oh, I just love that music, Lady Sal. That's sweet. And they're going to be... Uh, I know that Anna has things planned for and working on for our, our Easter celebration. I know it's a jump in the gun a little bit. We've still got to get through this holiday season, but at the Windspear. So bring your friends and let them know that uh, something wonderful is happening. So as we move into um, this portion of, of our celebration, I'm going to invite you to just be mindful that we are truly immersed in this vibration of the Most High. It's always present. It is not unique to this environment, but it is always present. Many times it's where we become so busy with life that we don't notice. But what we can do is notice now. This is the only moment we have. And so I'd invite you to just be mindful of that. To be mindful of that infinite presence. Dr. Holmes said in what we believe, we believe in the incarnation of spirit in us. We believe in the incarnation of spirit in us. And it is always there. It is always present. And, and what I believe is through spiritual practice, through our devotion and through our, 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 um, pract our habitual practices, it becomes more and more alive in us. He continues in that all people are incarnations of the one spirit. So simple, so beautiful. So we, we get to stop looking where God is, because God is wherever we are. Not the totality of it, but we are that, that wave of the infinite in the ocean of the infinite. And so I, I mention that to you to just simply call your attention to it and create the opening for that to be even more prevalent. So if you're struggling with something in this moment, if you're, you're facing an obstacle, perhaps lack in your life of finances or relationship or career, whatever it may be, when we allow that presence to partner with us in a more meaningful and more tangible way, the conversation within us shifts and changes and the opportunities around us shift and change. We've raised our, our vibration. And so I wanted to speak this into the room before we go into prayer because it's really about lifting our vibrational tone to a different, a different level. And so as we, we sing today and as we pray today, this is my vow with myself. And thank you for sharing that and supporting me and supporting yourself in that. So let's sing. If you'd like to stand, please feel free. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. Spirit is in 
So I invite you to join me in this next breath. Let us allow it to touch our physical being lightly and beautifully and fill us to full measure. And for me, it's an act of gratitude to understand that and a reminder that I'm always supported wherever I am. That this source of all life is alive and dynamic in my life, in your life. And as I move forward and become clearer and clearer and more of a, a clean, hollow vessel of receptivity so that my, my, my beingness is shifted and changed in this, I stand in the unconditional love and possibility of spirit. I stand in it despite what my history has been. The mistakes I've made, the judgments that I've held for myself or others, I put it down in this moment because it has no relevance. There's not one sacred scripture on this planet that says keep looking back and beating yourself up over what you've done in the past. It talks about present moment experience of spirit, which is what I'm, I'm entering into in this moment in a deeper and deeper way with each breath, with each moment, with each step, with each thought. It talks about holding the highest vision possible for my life and everyone's life. For as I live the blessings of what I'm called to do, as you live your calling, all of us, all of us benefit. And so I'm so grateful to stand in this, this vibration of the Most High with you to understand that what has been has been. It came to pass. We honor it. It is part of our memory. It is part of our learning. It is part of guiding our trajectory in this moment so that we may choose in a more effective, dynamic, and powerful way for ourselves and for others. For our great good is everyone's great good. For this I give thanks. As we enter into this season of light in a more dynamic and purposeful way, I give thanks. I give thanks for the guidance for myself this day and for your support and the guidance that I may speak to the heartfelt need of what is alive in this room. I'm so grateful to have ears to hear this beautiful music this day. I'm so grateful for the service, for the vision, for Dr. Ernest Holmes who stood up so courageously many, many years ago despite the good opinions of others and said, no, there's perhaps another way to worship, another way to participate in our spiritual life that is contrary to what I am being informed of in this moment. I admire his courage. We stand upon the the shoulders of that beautiful man and so many others, all the great avatars. For this I give thanks, knowing every good thing necessary for you and I to experience, to reveal itself, and to call into our experience in the highest and best way possible is, is your and my experience in this moment. Why? Because we agree to it and we say yes to that. So I continue to support you in reaching for the highest thought possible, as I do as well. And that's enough. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. Isn't it nice? We're just kind of floating on this, that wave of, of creativity. It's just so beautiful. So lovely. And we've got a wonderful, wonderful things planned for this December. We've had a wonderful full week of, of really circulating gratitude for so many people and have, are in service to our community. There have been a, a variety of things with our volunteers honoring them and, and uh, um, just a variety of things this past week of, of the opportunity to say thank you. I love what the ladies uh, sang this morning, this holy ground in me, this holy ground in me, through and all around. What a beautiful song.
this holy ground in me. And today I wanted to talk to you about, it's sort of inspired by Do You Hear What I Hear, uh, entitled, Do You See What I See? Franz Kafka wrote, youth is happy because it has the capacity to, to see beauty. Youth is happy because it has the capacity to see beauty. Anyone who keeps the ability to see beauty never grows old. Isn't that lovely? Anyone who keeps the the ability to see beauty never grows old. This past year was a year of of a new design for living. We talked about how we can all uh, design something within our own consciousness that allows our lives to look differently. And so I would ask you, as I would ask myself, how has my life changed in this last year? Because my word for last year was abundance. And then I have to look and see how did abundance play itself out in, in my life. And not only am I, you know, it's not like God is a short order cook. Put, you put your ticket in, I'd, I'll have the fried eggs and ham, the green, the green eggs and ham maybe. Um, but it's really about then there's my part to do. And so when I look back and I look at, and so sometimes I have to look and see how abundance showed up in my life. And so what we did last year is we first started out with our clean white slates. We gave everybody, and we'll do that again in January to start the year. Everybody's slate gets wiped clean. I mean, it's true every day, but but it's really nice to be able to do this uh, together. The ritual of let's write a new purpose word on on our our clean slate. And so we did that, and then we made a community, uh, a a variety of community, and I asked people to transfer their words onto this, the collective. And then we came back the next week and we, we each uh, took out a colored ribbon and we wrote a quality of being that lined up with exp- expressing and supporting our, our, word of, our purpose word. And that we put on the community heart. So I brought them out again because they've been getting moved and shifted around all year. You know, it's, when we need room, we, we move the heart and we move the, the, the tiles. And then I've got to go find them. Not that I, I have to go find them, but I get to go find them. It's like, oh, wait, I get to keep bringing this back. This part of my job, bring it back, which is really what we do. I just remind you. So I realized, oh, you know, about June, I, got, I stopped getting annoyed with having to go find them. I said, oh, this is my opportunity to remind. I got to bring some different energy to this, you know. And so, um, but, but here are our words and here's our, our, uh, our ribbons. And, and what I would suggest to you, what's come alive for me, is that I realize that I have not complete, completed much of what I'm called to do, but my word has changed. In other words, that life is, is fluid. It's continuing to reveal itself in different ways, in different ways, in different ways. And so a couple months ago, through a process that we attended, a number of us attended in Portland, uh, we wrote a new sacred covenant, and my new word is beauty. And beauty for me requires, for me to, to move into beauty, I must have order. And so I looked around our community, I looked around my environment, and I realized the more order I can bring to it, then I support the experience of beauty. Because if there's clutter, uh, I got out this morning, and I, the ladies were here to rehearse, and I, I, I stapled back up some of our batting, the sound batting that we have back here that's been kind of fallen off and fell apart, and I thought, well, that I can do. But all those little pieces that provide order, you know, that little puzzle piece has been missing for a few months up there. And I'd look at it and go, oh, i got to put that back up. But thinking it and doing it are two different things. And so, but, but with, so you wrote down your purpose word you, and you tied some ribbons and I tied a bunch of ribbons over there around prayer work. But there's also legs that we can give to it. So the way that we develop these things is through spiritual practice. And so after going to Abhijanya two times in 2013, which has really been my experience of abundance, 
in, term, in, in, think, in terms of the abundance of spirit. I mean, what I know about that experience is that, that the immediacy of spirit in my life is so tangible. It's like here all the time. And we are always supported. I mean, our prayer work, Ernest Holmes and his genius, we have to ask or they cannot assist us. And they being the, the, the people would call them angels, they call them entities of light there. But whatever it may be, and the, and the, and the experience that people had going and, and experiencing this and continue to have. Many people, I turn the pictures in. It's not a one-time thing. I turned pictures in and, and asked for help and support. And I took almost uh, somewhere between 70 and 80 pictures with me. But that's ongoing. That's ongoing. But then the part that, that I get to do with this, all this is I get to reach for the highest thought possible in support of the possibility of that. And so as we move into this season of light, uh, what I get to do is if my word is beauty then I get to, wherever I see beauty, I realize now, finding this quote by Kafka, I realize that every time I experience beauty, I, I, I lift up myself in that youthful spirit. And so it's a, it's a wonderful thing, because there's words that have meaning for me, that give me inspiration. So, you know, we're in this season of, we're in Hanukkah, you know, Hanukkah's happening now, and, and, and of course Christmas is coming up, and the New Year's is coming up, and some would call it the solstice. Carl Anthony's going to be with us and do his light show again. You know, we, we, I long for the light in the wintertime, and I'm sure many of you do. You know, I notice it's like, I'm at a point now where the sun starts going, you know, down sooner and sooner and sooner. I just, I want to go hibernate, you know, I want to just climb in my cave and say, like, call me in the spring, I'll get up then when, when things look differently. So we're, we're, we, we watch the, the transition of the season. And, and so what I think this season does as well is it, it's the memories of youth, the memories of my youth and my Christmas and my holiday seasons. I remember as a kid, we used to have those, um, those bubble light. I found out they're called bubble light ornaments at the first service. Do you remember those that you'd screw in and they were kind of... Uh, they had a little thing and the bubbles would float up and we'd all, there were 11 kids in the family, we all had one bubble light we'd watch, because we didn't have a television, my dad couldn't afford one, so we each had a bubble light throughout the holidays. But I, I'll never forget those, it's like, wow, oh, I remember that. And, uh, so all of us have some memories, some of us may not have had great memories of, of being uh, Christmas, but we all have memories and what it does for me is it triggers many of the memories about being young and, and the expectancy around it. And so I was looking at that and thinking about it, and then I found this quote from Kafka, and I thought, realize it's touching that child that's still within me. And that, that youth is not a chronological thing. Youth is a spirit. I've watched, we have, I know so many people that are living well into their 80s and 90s, and they're vibrant and alive and have purpose in their lives. And, and we live in a time that's extraordinary for that. We, we have so much more information around nutrition and, and exercise and keeping a lifestyle uh, alive that allows us to thrive upon this planet. And so it's, it's wonderful. In, in 1966, Robert Kennedy addressed the National Union of South African Students at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. So in 1966, his brother had been assassinated. He was a senator from the state of New York. And he addressed them in such a beautiful way, and I wanted to share a quote of his, because he said at that point in time, our answer is the world's hope, is to rely on youth. The cruelties and the obstacles of this swiftly changing planet will not yield to obsolete dogmas and outworn slogans. It cannot be moved by those who cling to a present which is already dying, who prefer the illusion of security to the excitement and danger which comes with even the most peaceful progress. This world demands the qualities of youth. 
Not a time of life, but a state of mind. Not a time of life, but a state of mind. Isn't that wonderful? Because the nature of the infinite is, is to create and to express. And we see it everywhere present. This divine intelligence is within all. You know, I'm always amazed when I clear my yard in the spring thinking I'm going to plant something and, and the plethora of weeds that show up after a few days. Like the dandelions. I mean, that's just their nature. They're going to find a place to plant themselves and express. And I either get to decide I'm going to have dandelions, and I know we've had this discussion because many of you are very fond of dandelions. But if I'm trying to grow something other than dandelions, then the dandelions probably have to go so I can make space for something else. But I want to let you know I do it with great love. Okay? I love the dandelions. Maybe just not right there. So the world demands the qualities of youth, not a time of life but a state of mind a temper of will, a quality of the imaginations, a preponderance of courage over timidity, of the appetite for adventure over the life of ease. I think it speaks beautifully to what Dr. Holmes represented in our teaching, that life is an outward and upward continuum. He says it here in what we believe. He says, we believe in the ultimate goal of life is to be a complete emancipation from all discord of every nature, and this goal shall be attained by all. And so it's a, it's a progression of, uh, in consciousness and awareness, and it's layer upon layer. It's, it's, it's challenge by challenge. But when we understand that and we get that, then, then it shifts how we participate in life. Gandhi, Gandhi was, was so brilliant. We have Gandhi's poster up. Actually, at the first service, someone came in and said, well, we don't have Jesus' picture up. I think we need Jesus' picture up, and Oprah's picture's up, and I don't like Oprah. And I said, well, that's fantastic. I'm glad you don't like Oprah because you think, obviously you think that I'm here to make you feel good. And I'm not here for that. I'm here to inspire. I'm here to challenge. I'm here to to provide information, I think, so that you can get on with your life. Because she said to me, well, because Oprah said something one time in her show that I didn't like, so I I don't like Oprah. And I thought, man, oh, man, holy cow. I wonder if I've ever said anything she doesn't like. But it, I mean, you know, and, and she said, well, I, wanna, I would like to have Jesus up there. And I said, well, how about Buddha, too? We could put Jesus and Buddha up this year. And, then, and she said, yeah, that'd be great. And I said, well, I'll get you a price on what the banner will cost. And she just heard, she didn't say anything. Because, I mean, if you want something, are you willing to, to pay the price to put it up on the wall is all I'm asking, you know? But it was very, it's a very interesting conversation because we have people on our, uh, you know, uh, let me stop with Oprah for a second. I don't agree with everything Oprah says and everything she's done. I always wished I was in her audience for that Christmas special where she's giving all that stuff away. I always thought that would be cool. <laughs> Screaming with all the women, yeah, here's your new microwave oven, yeah. Everybody gets a car, yeah, you know. But, uh, you know, here's a woman, if you really understand what she came from, The environment she came from, she came from nothing. Broken family, sex abuse. For her to pull herself up by her bootstraps, which is exactly what we teach, and create a life for herself, whether we agreed with her or not, my God, man, my hat's off to her. A woman of color that has taken a stand in the world and has changed so many lives, it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, but we have to. But but we can find the one show where she did one thing that I don't like, so I throw her away. It's like, oh my gosh, man! Let us be more expansive and, and accepting in our our opinions of one another. Because when I hear that kind of of uh, perspective, I realize, man, you must be really hard on yourself. 
because it's all a reflection of how we are inside. But my hat's off to her. My hat's off to everybody on these walls that has made a difference. You know, we went round and round about John Lennon because John Lennon, once in a while, he would smoke some weed. And I said, oh my God, he wrote one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. You know, if we couldn't show up here because we, 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 we smoked weed at a, or, or marijuana at one point in time, how many of you would still be able to come in the door? <laughs> come on, show of hands, let's go. <laughs> but I mean, really? Can we cut one another some slack? Here's a woman that wants me to put Jesus' poster up that says, love your enemies, telling me how much she doesn't like Oprah. I mean, do you, do you see the insanity in that? And I mean, I get it. I have compassion, and we say things, and, you know, it's, things happen. People have opinions, and it's to have the graciousness to say, you know what, I still honor her. I, I have nothing but unconditional love for this person. But I just thought it was interesting that I hate Oprah, and I'd like to have Jesus up. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's what Jesus stood for. Find what you hate. I mean, he said, love one another. From what I know, from the messages I've seen. And I, I mean, this, this whole textbook, this science of my textbook, there's a whole chapter in here called Finding the Christ. I mean, Holmes loved Jesus of Nazareth. But he, what he understood and what he encouraged us to do is not to just continue to worship as if it's something apart from us. He talked about it. He said that the, this presence is alive within each and every one of us. And it's our opportunity to continue to develop that. He said, I believe in the eternality, the immortality, and the continuity of the individual soul forever and ever expanding. We believe in the heaven within us and that we experience it to the degree that we become conscious of it. I mean, this is what, you know, these things I have done, you shall do an even greater. So it's just interesting. It's just, it's fascinating and it's such a great life. It's all small stuff. But I just, I, 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 and I'm so blessed to be part of this. I got up this morning, I was telling the ladies the first service, I'm like all excited. I'm like, wow, I'm so excited, it's Sunday. And then I'm like, and I'm not ready with anything <laughs> to talk about. And I'm like, oh, but I'm so excited. And I say, yeah, well, calm down a little bit here, Charlie, and think, something, think of something to say. And then I realized I was so excited because we're going to walk into this, this wave of, of love that, that, that's, that, that song is, that music is. It's so inspiring and lifting. It's like, oh. Just makes you melt. It makes those things that maybe I'm dragging along with me just put them down. <sighs> what am I trying to hold in place that I don't need to hold in place? So the world demands the qualities of youth, not a time of life, but a state of mind, a temper of will, a quality of the imagination, a preponderance of courage over timidity, of the appetite for adventure over the life of ease. What's the next discovery? What are we going to do? Gandhi talked about it. He said the seven, great, the seven deadly sins. Gandhi said seven deadly sins, wealth without work. All of us have gifts and talents to experience. We're not here just to get... I mean, we see it. We see, why do you think that the markets broke down in, in New York, the whole collapse of that financial system? And it's still being propped up. It's wealth without work. It's, it's not in alignment with the highest and best of what we all are. That doesn't mean we have to be burdened with work, but we have to have meaningful purpose in our lives. We, when we were in Abhijanya with John of God, we had these wonderful discussions, and we were talking about someone in a, one of the videos we were watching was talking about, I'd like to win, went up to Esther Hicks and said, I want, I want help winning the lottery. 
And Esther was so beautiful in this. She said, but if you win the lottery, you may not be able to go through all the great learning that your soul really needs for its expansion and growth and development and expression in this lifetime. I thought, wow, what a beautiful insight. Yeah, I'm for the growth and the expansion. I have longings and things I'd like to experience upon this planet. But I realize what, so what the opportunity is, is not to move to frustration because it's like a little kid in me that wants it and wants it now, but to realize, wow, there's things that I need to grow into or I can grow into because I don't need to do anything because spirit always says yes. But I know in my, my heart feels incomplete and I want to move more and more in this direction. But to have meaningful work in our lives. And it doesn't mean we can have great wealth. How many of you here, show of hands, would, if, if you won the lottery tomorrow, would you have, you'd still have great purpose in your life and you'd do wonderful things? How many? Yeah, there's like 15, 20 people here that know that already. That's great. It's not either or. It's not either or. I mean, I watched a thing the other day on, uh, on uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. These guys are going out and they're, te- and they're challenging billionaires to, to give half their wealth to great causes. And I didn't know this. It was on 60 Minutes. But Bill and, and uh, I think her name is Belinda or Linda Gates uh, have, with other people's help, have just about eradicated polio on the planet. They've taken their money and, and they've just about eliminated polio. And what they're realizing, what these people of wealth and what Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are saying to these people of great wealth is, look, we know the governments are so bogged down with, with the, the, you know, the, the, the infighting and the, and the discourse that it's very difficult for them to be effective anymore. So what we're encouraging people with great wealth to do is be part of the answer. And so there's all kinds of great things happening. It's like, oh, that is so cool. God bless you. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful to take what has been given to us and, and say, you know, there's a greater good that wants to be realized. Warren Buffett said at a certain point, you've got enough money in your life, it's just redundant. It doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, once you've got a few billion in the bank, another billion really doesn't make much difference. And so it's one of the great sins, wealth without work, pleasure without conscience. That I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get mine, and, and uh, despite what it's, how it's uh, um, affecting other people. Number three, science without humanity. You know, it's, it's, it's both. Knowledge without character. Politics without principle. Commerce without morality. And worship without sacrifice. One of the things that is, is really impressed upon me about abundance is that in our teaching, because we're all about that, you know, we tie in so well with the human potential movement. And yet, there's a sacred component to this. And I, I mean, I love all the, the, the courses you can take and the stuff that you can go and expand your awareness and your, your, tool, your toolbox of efficiency on the planet and develop and get, deliver your gifts. You don't need this, this community to do that. Because I think at the end of the day, what we really represent here is the sense of the sacred, the sense of devotion to this. It's, what I know is that my life is so much, more, uh, is so much richer when I'm, in, and when I'm in deep relationship with my higher power, when I'm doing a consistent meditation, when that my devotion, you know, I love it when we were in Abhijande, one of our, our, our mentors and guides there said that, you know, if you don't have a daily meditation practice at the same time every day, you might want to look at that. Because when we say we love God, the first commandment that, that Moses got and, and, and Jesus expanded upon it is love God. And I think that's true because, and we teach God is everywhere present within everyone. So my love for another is, and it's my perception, is also a form of love of God. That makes it easy for me. You know, they said to us, if you're struggling with love, get yourself a plant. 
Find something you can give attention to. I thought, wow, I could start with a plant, but I got, I got enough stuff to give my love to. But I'm just thinking, you know, we start small, we can grow into that. And so this, this whole idea that with spiritual practice is when it's consistent and we show up at the same time, it's like having a lover. You know, if you say to someone, oh my gosh, I love you, I'm just so madly in love with you, I cannot live my life without you, I'll call you in a couple months. <laughs> oh, I didn't get my meditation in today. I love God, but <laughs> yeah, I'm too busy to meditate. Yeah, me too. But what meditation does is it's an opportunity to be realigned with that vibrational tone. It lifts us up. You know, if you want to be physically fit, you don't get there working out one day a month. I've tried it. <laughs> Lori's here this morning with Danny. I told Danny and Lori they came in, and, 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 and Lori teaches this wonderful kettlebell class. And Lori and I have been uh, uh, pretty, very, very committed to that for the last couple of years, over two years. But Danny walked in, I said, I'm going to have to change my whole talk because I'm talking about you through the whole thing. So I had to run in the back and come up with something new to talk about. <laughs> Not really. But, but the point is, is that, you know, think about it though. I know that if you work out one, time, one day a month, you're very sore for about a week and a half. <laughs> so it takes consistency. And if, if it's important to you and you'll give your, your, your attention to it, it develops a different experience. As above, so below. And so a spiritual practice is if you're devoted to it and you have certain times where you do your prayer work or you do your meditation, where you express gratitude, because gratitude is such a powerful uh, uh, tool to move into this, this expansion of life. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. So to think about that. And when they said that, I thought, that makes perfect sense. Where am I not fulfilling my devotion to what I think is powerful and wonderful? The God that I know, the God of my being. This presence, and so this, this worship without sacrifice, my sacrifice is I have to give up some of these minutiae in my life to bring devotion. The devotional piece, I think, is so important. If I'm not devoted to something, how can I develop the, the capacity to have a, a larger experience with that? And so for me, coming back, one of the abundant things about my experience is that that has become a, an absolute priority in my life, like never before. I want to continue to stay in that relationship. And, and, and to continue to build that and build that and build that because it is just so powerful. And then, when I, then what I become and what you have the opportunity to become, then there's a greater opportunity for what wants to be expressed to show up because I'm getting all my busy mind out of the way and I'm listening more closely and I'm paying attention. I'm saying, oh, I get it. It's this. Oh. Wow. And so it's, it's developing in that capacity. I, I spoke earlier about this idea. In, in class the other day, someone said, you know, that I'd, I'd like to have bliss. I want to be in bliss all the time. And I said, well, let's talk about that because when you're in frustration, it's a big leap to bliss. You know, when you're in anger, you might, might want to move your feeling tone up to, to uh, frustration. And then maybe you just want to get to complacency. But to think that we'll jump from this to bliss is a fantasy. It's to work in gradients. When we were down there, one of our, our guides said that one of her prayer, her prayer work has been, you know, she was experiencing a lack and she wanted to move into abundance, but she realized what, she, what abundance meant for her was relief. And so she's found ways within her daily practice to, to create relief. So in other words, if there were un, unfinished things in her life, things that she'd agreed to, she brought completion to them, relief. 
And so once you build relief, all of a sudden you can move up to the next gradient. Whatever that feeling tone is. But it wasn't about, well, I, you know, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm in lack, but I want to go to bliss. No, it was, it was building the, the consciousness, the spiritual stamina to move into the next feeling tone. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful example of where you are. You know, I mean, I know, like, when I go to the kettlebell class, and I'm picking on Lori today because she's here, but when I go to the kettlebell class, she loves to have us do burpees. Ever done a burpee? Oh, my gosh. And so... I started out doing like one burpee, right? And I go, got that done. And then you move up to five. But I had to grow the stamina from one to five. And, and so it's, it's, it's such a simple example, but it's growing that capacity and that strength and that confidence to be able to do that and to move into that. And, and, and if you understand it's not a burden and not a responsibility, but an opportunity. It's just a wonderful thing. And, and the great thing is, when we go to those classes, they're scheduled at the same time. You show up at the same time. It's not like Lori's just hanging out saying, well, whenever you show up, we'll have a class. And sp- why would spirit work that way in your life? Because God is every, always present. But if I care enough, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to have the devotion to practice what I think is, is, is important and valuable. So Robert Kennedy continued in his talk. He said, there's four dangers in where the world is going. This is 1966. The first one is the danger of futility. Futility. The belief that there's nothing. And, I, and, I, and this, is, this comes from my uh, newsletter article. It's on the, our website or will be shortly. But futility is the belief that there's nothing I can do to change the overwhelming conditions of my life. It'll never change. There's nothing I can do. And, and, and so it's so easy to fall into that complacency and just give up. Say, I can't do it. And, and, the, and the, the antidote for that, I believe, is willingness. Opening our hearts to willingness is a sure remedy for the trap of futility. Willingness. I'm willing. I'm not in this alone. Guide me, direct me. I will do my part. I will reach for the highest thought. Willingness allows us to, us to let the power in the presence of spirit to be alive and active in our lives in a new way. It creates an atmosphere of collaboration with inspiration. We are not alone in following what inspires us. In fact, it, it is in the pursuit, in that pursuit, that we are living in co-creation and expressing our true selves. Second danger is expediency, that our desired change must happen immediately. I want it and I want it now. That's the, the mindset of a nine-year-old, maybe an eight-year-old, seven-year-old. So when you find yourself saying that, that's just the kid in you that's fed up. If it doesn't happen in my lifetime, then it's not mine to have or I'm being denied. I find it helpful to be mindful that great learning and skills are developed in pursuing a worthy objective. In fact, I would say it is the development of new skills and talents where the great value lies. So it's not the goal, it's what we learn and develop on the way that is so powerful. Once we are established in a new proficiency and consciousness, we are then ready to move to the next new learning. But when we understand that, we realize, wow, there's more for me to learn. There's more for me to do. It's amazing. You know, we went down to Abhijani and we had this amazing experience with John of God. We brought back a crystal bed. Some people are like, what are you guys doing? This is weird and strange and I don't get it. And it's like, I can't explain it. I have, I can't, I think, you know, people have come to me and said, well, I tried to tell my family about it and they think I'm crazy. I said, well, don't tell them. Don't try and put a quarter into a 10 cent machine. It doesn't fit. When you have those, those beautiful, wonderful experiences, it's not, to, it's not to, to look at other people as that less than, but it's very hard to articulate. 
But what I know is that that, that that experience, there's a deeper experience of what we teach. God lives in and through and as each and every one of us. That any, any form of, of shifting and changing in, in what looks like healing to us, Holmes said there's no, there is no healing, there's only revealing. Because the perfection of who and what we are already exists within us. And so really the shift is not about healing anything. It's simply about revealing. It's about the transformation of consciousness, the shift in perception, so it has an opportunity to show up. But if you're not open and available to it, how can it show up? The third danger is timidity. To make a significant change in our lives requires us sometimes to face the disapproval of others. I think it's helpful to know that the significant changes will bring to surface those who really support our best possibilities and care about us even when we are altering our life's trajectories. So you start making changes and all of a sudden people that know you a certain way say, hey, hey, where are you going? No, 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 no. Please thank them for sharing. Thank you so much. You know, I'm going over here now to explore. I'm going to go to the Center for Spiritual Living. You can't go there. Come to my church. All right, we'll go there. But I'm just saying that, that timidity doesn't, doesn't serve us well. We have to, to, we have to follow that call. We have to answer that. In fact, if those around us are not noticing something new and different about us, then we're probably overestimating our progress. You know, making great headway here. Nobody notices anything changing. Hmm, well, maybe you're not making great headway here. The fourth is comfort. To follow a path that appears the easiest, as if easy is synonymous with correct. Our opportunity is not to live the easy life, but live a creative life. I heard Dr. Roger Teal from Mile High Church talk about salmon. Salmon always go to the most violent point in the stream to swim up. They, always, they don't go to, along the, you ever notice that? They don't go along the shores. They go right up through the heaviest um, rapids. And the reason they do it is because they know when they land, it's clear. They know that there's nothing that they're going to land on that will hurt them. Now, isn't that fascinating? So they don't look for, they don't look to make it up the, the, the stream the easy way. They go right up the center. And I think that for all of us, you know, we'd like, we like to be master of time, space, and dimension. I'd like it by Tuesday. I'd like it to be really easy. But what I know about change is that creativity involves newness, and oftentimes newness is uncomfortable. Comfort as a priority is a limitation to a life filled with new learning and opportunity. So we choose, you and I choose how we welcome newness and give creativity an opportunity to be expressed. If it feels uncomfortable, it's most likely an indication something new is happening. So this holiday season, we're going into the season of light and there's all these expectations and you know, we just did Black Friday and I went out on Black Friday. I had to go to Home Depot to buy something. In fact, I walked by a guy at Home Depot. There was hardly anybody there, by the way. I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is a good time to, to shop in Canada because nobody in Canada shops on Black Friday. I like that. Now I know when to go out. Front row parking. But I'm, I'm walking through and this guy standing there in his orange bib with his name on it and all the things that he's got. And, and his fellow co-worker comes walking by and I'm going by. I was getting an extension cord actually for the wreath up here and a couple other things. And, and uh, he looked at her. She says, how's it going? He said, this Christmas music sucks. <laughs> okay. Of course, if you had to stand there all day long and listen to it, I guess you might get, come to that conclusion. You know, perception is, is just, uh, it, it's so important. But we're in this, this season of light, we're in this season of color, we're in this season of celebration. And if we understand that how we tap into that, that youthfulness of spirit, that it's not chronological, it's not based on years alive, it's based on a spirit of youth. 
And that spirit of youth is the one that welcomes the changes that, that want to happen through us. The vibrancy and the opportunity to not only support ourselves, but then to support others in that. To know that life is a continuum, that there are old ways of being, there are old ways of doing things, as we're witnessing with these billionaires giving their money to different causes. There's things coming up and bubbling up because we're called to the collective. There's something within us that knows that we're connected. There's something within us that supports oneness. There's something within us that, that knows that there's a greater love that would like to be expressed, which I believe is that presence and power of spirit. And it doesn't matter what we call it. What, what is really important is what we embody, that feeling tone that we live from. And, and so what I know is my practices are really around, my, most of my prayer work now is around gratitude. Because gratitude creates a feeling tone in me, and it doesn't matter what it is. It can be the smallest thing. It creates a feeling tone in me that I enjoy living from. There's a vibrancy. There's an aliveness there. And I know it's healthy. I know that it calls into my experience something more powerful, something more interesting. So it's simple. So may you and I capture the spirit of youth this holiday season. May we remember to remember who we are and whose we are. May we keep the spirit of vitality and youth alive, not only in this season, but every day and in every way. And may you and I allow the beauty of this season room to reinforce the youthful, eternal spirit that is you and I. Peace and joy. And so it is.